Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. This is Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, coming at you with a special interview episode where we sit down with the director of Penguin Bloom, Glendon Ivan. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. So let's do that, Tim. I sat down with Glendon Ivan this week, the director of Penguin Bloom, an upcoming Australian production that's hitting cinemas on January 21st. Do you want to take us through what the movie's about? Yeah, sure thing. So Penguin Bloom tells the story of Sam Bloom, a young mother struggling to adapt to life in a wheelchair after a near-fatal accident leaves her paralysed. Sam's husband and her three sons are also struggling to adjust to their new situation when an unlikely distraction enters their world in the form of an injured baby magpie they gorgeously named Penguin. The bird's arrival makes a profound difference in the family's life. Now, one thing I love about what we do, Tim, is getting to sit down with these amazing creative filmmakers and talk about these wonderful Australian productions. And Penguin Bloom is no different, and Glendon Ivan was fantastic to talk to. What we'll hear is how generous and passionate he is about this project uh, and the insight he can offer as a filmmaker. It's a beautiful movie, We're in such a privileged position to have these conversations, like you said. And this film, Penguin Bloom, was produced by Bruna Papandrea of Made Up Stories. So we've also got the interview with Bruna where she talks about this film and The Dry, which is another Australian movie that came out in January this year. An interesting point that came out of my chat with Glendon was how timely this movie is and his hope that people might find a connection in their own way with the isolation that Sam Bloom faced and the struggle to come out on the other side of that significant hardship and penguin bloom is all about connection isn't it to family to nature and how much we need these connections to survive yeah there's a great authenticity in the bloom family and that comes through the performances and the gorgeous simple but effective story here it's very powerful story that i think audiences alike will take a lot out of and you know look at their own life in a similar way if they're going through uh, some form of grief or hardship and how they can maybe turn their life around and 
the unexpected ways that that can happen. And in this mm. case, it's the arrival of a injured baby magpie. Glendon gave some great insights into the making of this local production and the challenges of getting the audience to really feel that bond with a magpie of all animals. Yeah, I mean, magpies are ones that you run away from. They swoop at you. (laughs) And, you know, we'll talk about this in more detail when we review Penguin Bloom in an upcoming episode. But I was very surprised at how connected I was to this this magpie. So uh, Glendon and the team have done a really surprising job. So without further ado, Lee, I would really love to listen to your interview with the director of Penguin Bloom, Glendon Ivan. Thank you so much, Glendon, for talking with Popcorn Podcast. It's really nice to chat to you. Um, And congratulations on getting Penguin Bloom out into the world. It must feel great, really satisfying. Yeah, I mean, it's a strange time for to be releasing films or to be in the cinema, but um, it feels like the right time. Um, Yes. You know, Penguin Bloom, if you just look at the story, it's about a, you know, a woman who cuts herself off really from, from the world. I, you know, she self-isolates in a way uh, and yet comes out the other side and, you know, in, in, a, in the same but different. And I, I sort of feel like there's a, there's, it almost feels a bit like a metaphor for a lot of the lives that we've been living now. Like we've all been locked inside and now there's an opportunity for us to get out there and, and see things and, I'm sure a lot of us are uh, we're different, but we're still the same. So, it's, yeah, hopefully there's there's something in that. Now they say you should never work with animals and children, and you've gone off the deep end here and done both. What was it like to wrangle boys and birds on set every day? What was a typical day on set looking like for you? In some ways, penguin was easier to wrangle than a than uh, than the three boys. <laughs> I'd always <laughs> yeah. joke. So, like if you if you've got Penguin and three boys in a scene, you may as well have four birds because they're all four penguins. They're all they're as hard as each other to wrangle. But um, I don't know. I kind of like the spontaneity and the randomness that kids and animals bring. You, you can't, you, you know, you can control them in some ways, but really what they're doing is really what they're going to do. And, and I, I love embracing that. And it, I guess it brings a certain wildness to the performance and to the set, which, um, yeah, you've got it. You can't fight that. You have to go with it. I love it. Now, animals are obviously great for healing. There's scientific studies that have proven that. But you wouldn't think a magpie would connect so strongly. How did you get the audience to really feel that bond on screen? Uh, That's a good question. I spent a lot of time in my pre-production just looking at birds, looking at all kinds of birds, but definitely going to the park and just watching magpies. And, you know, they're they're, they're different to most, like, you know, dogs and cats, they show affection differently. You know, they've got friendlier faces where magpies and a lot of people don't like magpies uh you know they've sort of got this mask it's you know it's a beak and black eyes and so i guess we we use i don't know a bunch of different different techniques like as far but but performance as well like we were able to get beautiful performances from this bird we sampled their their voice and used it slightly differently but always trying to keep it as wild as possible. Like, you know, Penguin was never a pet. Penguin was a, a wild bird that was free to come and go. Mm. But, I, yeah, I think it's interesting that with animals on screen in particular, even though they can't speak, the audience is really willing to put words into, their, into, into the animals' heads and what they, you know, what they might be thinking. So I guess to answer your question, we would just, I would just try and create scenarios where the audience would know what the animal was thinking what the bird was thinking if that makes sense what we want them to be thinking 
you used mostly real birds for this, didn't you? So there wasn't, was there animatronics used at all? I'm, I'm thinking of the scene where um, the other magpies get a bit territorial with Penguin. Well, we had 13 different magpies to play Penguin. We had a robot bird, uh, like an animatronic bird. We had a puppet and there's a bit of CGI in there as well. Um, and I don't, I don't like saying which bits were which because, you know, yeah. to me it's just all Penguin. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, but we actually, we had set ourselves out to for doing a lot more, say, animatronic or a lot more CGI work, but we were all amazed at what we were getting in camera. Like the birds were, you know, gave us a lot more than, uh, than what we ever expected. I guess we went into it thinking the worst, uh, but we, but we, you know, I, you know, probably 95% of what you see is real. It's, it's pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. And it's such a personal story. What was it that jumped out at you or that connected you immediately into this story? Um, well, when I was first sent the book quite a few years ago, I was just taken by how simple and how beautiful that story was. And I, you know, I'd never had a pet magpie and I didn't, don't have a spinal injury. And yet I really connected with the story. So I knew that there was something universal there that, we, that we'd all appreciate. I think the power of this story, uh, and, and I guess this is why Sam Bloom's story has sort of gone out into the world, is that I don't necessarily think it's someone that's had a spinal injury and, and a, they meet a bird. I think it's someone who, you know, may not have had a spinal injury, may have had a depression or may have lost a loved one or may have had their heart broken or may have had a, an addiction or something. They've had something that they haven't been able to see through they can't see through it and yet it's the most random and unexpected thing that gets them out of that so whether it, it may not be a bird it could be something else but it happens and I guess it's you know for me the film is about generosity and allowing yourself to to care for something else and I think that's the big thing I think that's what animals do for us that you know there's there's a there's a the spirit of generosity as I, I call it that you you have to look after an animal. You have to care for it. You have to feed it. Or even if you're watching animals in, in the wild, they've got their own lives and they do their own thing and they don't really care about themselves. They're just getting on with things. And I think it's, there's something about that that we as human beings connect with. Did you ever feel the weight being caretaker for a whole family story? Because it's not just Sam's, obviously. It's, you know, it's not yeah. just her journey. They're healing. It's the whole family's. Yeah, it, I mean... I've often thought about this through the whole process, just how invasive, you know, this story is in a way. Like they, and Cam and Sam and the whole family are totally open to it, but it's, it's not just Sam Bloom's story. It's Sam and Cam and their three children, and we shot it in their house. So you couldn't sort of get more evasive in some ways. But in, I've always been very conscious of that. I was always conscious that we were telling a real story about real people that are, that are alive and and living and, 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 you know, continue to live with a lot of pain. And, and um, you know, Sam Bloom's injury is still there. Like she's got a spinal injury that, you know, she has to live with. So there was always a constant reminder, I guess, that what we're doing is, is real. And, and it was my job to sort of honour that story and do it in the most authentic and, and, and honest way that I could. Now, Sam's injury is obviously very horrific. How did you decide how much of that to show and how to portray it in the film? Yeah, like, it, like the Blooms really wanted us to show a lot more. Um, and, and, you know, we could have gone down certain paths to show a lot more, you know, a lot more gory detail, if you like. But I was really keen to make a film 
And, and this is even really about the rating. Uh, like, you know, I wanted to make a PG film, but I wanted to make a film that isn't necessarily a family film, but it's a film you can take your family to. And there's, I guess there's a, there's a level that I know that people can handle. And I wanted to show, I guess, without getting graphic or, you know, getting too involved in the injury, um, I guess I wanted to show exactly what it's like to have that injury, but without getting too caught up in the, in the, in, uh, I guess the, the other detail that would turn it into a different film and maybe not make it as accessible as, as we wanted to make it. Um, but I guess what it, what it is, and, you know, this, Sam was very uh, adamant in having this, it doesn't shy away from the realities. Like I think you get a sense of what it would be like to have an injury like that, not so much physically, but how it affects your, your family life and, your social life and, and the extended, you know, friends and family. Um, and that, you know, it, it affects every aspect of your life. It seems like they were very involved. The Blooms were very involved in the production. Did that help having them around on set quite a lot and being very... Like I, I liked, I like having, I like having people around. That wasn't an issue for me. Mm. Some of the actors felt like that they needed to be by themselves, didn't want them watching when they were acting. And, um, but Naomi was very happy to have Sam around uh, as well as other members of the family. So it, uh, it, helps, it helps and hinders in different ways. Like you kind of want them close, but at arm's length. Um, right. I think, you know, particularly when you're shooting, when in pre-production, you know, you, you try, you're trying to gain as much knowledge and information uh, as you can. But once you're shooting, you know, you kind of, the, the you know, the, the film takes on its own personality and its own atmosphere and you're not making a documentary, but you kind of want guidance. Like you don't want to drift too far away from the story, but you need to have the ability to embellish and I guess dramatize things that you know we think are important, but maybe the blooms didn't. But it's it's always finding that that um, the balance. It's the balancing act there uh, of trying to find that balance. Yeah. Now I know color was very important to you in visually telling this story. Can you expand a little bit on why yellow was so important? I've had this story asked before and I don't have an answer for it. <laughs> I don't know where the yellow thing came from. It's um, in the notes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but but I but definitely, you know, like as far as, you know, we even though we shot in their house, like we we reskinned the interior. We we kind of controlled that environment as much as we could. Yeah, you became a home makeover so, specialist, it seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more, I mean, for lots of reasons, but more so because the, you know, the majority of the film happens inside mm. and unless you've got a very I mean their house is amazing the way it is but visually on camera uh, I wanted every corner of that house to have detail and texture so there was a very you know a very controlled palette in how we uh, I guess we designed that whole the whole house and the whole film down to you know the wood grain and and the reduced palette there's very little black and white because that was all that was all uh, penguins world. <laughs> Uh, he's, you know, she, she was black and white. You know, I'm very interested in uh, naturalism and and you know, embracing what is actually there, almost from a documentary point of view. But this production, this film, is probably the most stylized, if you like, uh, even though it doesn't look like it. We, there was a lot of control in in making it look the way it does. Do you know the answer to that to that yellow question? Like, are you are you expecting me to say something? I, no, I, I was just generally curious because I thought, oh, yellow, because, I mean, it's not an entirely happy story. It's an uplifting one eventually. But I thought, oh, why yellow? You know, I would have thought no, I don't, I, muted I, tones. I, 
I thought maybe I've said something or you know the answer. And if you said it, I go, oh, <laughs> right, I know the answer to that. I'm sorry. No, that. <laughs> I was genuinely curious. <laughs> what qualities of the blooms did you need Naomi and Andrew particularly to bring out? Incredible actors, Naomi Watts and Andrew Lincoln. But yeah. what did you need them to sort of encompass particularly about Cam and Sam? So I guess with, with Cam, uh, in, like the thing that, I was I wasn't aware of, although I kind of was aware. Like I my I, I grew up with uh, my grandmother living in that house, and she was in a wheelchair for most of her life. And my mum was a full time carer, and that's a pretty selfless role. And I've always been interested in those those sort of carer characters. I think because my mum was one of them. Mm-hmm. So Cam and I, no one really talks about this. He doesn't really present him this present himself this way, but he's a full time carer. And, and incredibly generous with his time uh, in, in what he has to do for, for Sam day in and day out. And I guess it's something that we were looking at in, in the making of the, the film. Like, you know, if a, if, a, if a couple in that sort of relationship have an argument, they can't walk to different sides of the house or leave the house mm-hmm. and not come back for it. Like they need each other. Like Sam needs to care for Sam Bloom all day, every day, like just to doing, you know, for, for, for doing the most simplest things. Andrew Lincoln really got, we got really into that and knowing that he is a carer and he's almost like, you know, I wouldn't say a life support, but that's, that's sort of the role that he takes on. Mm-hmm. So no matter how frustrated or how irritated you might get with someone, you still have to turn up and help them get in and out of bed or you have to take them to the bathroom or help them to shower and help them get dressed. And that's a totally different relationship to, uh, to what most people um, have. And with Sam... There was obviously a lot of physical things that we wanted to get right, like how do you transfer in and out of bed? Mm. Um, Sam Bloom's injury, like anyone with a spinal injury, it's very specific to them. Like she's injured sort of from, as we say in the film, from the brass strap down. Mm-hmm. So she can only hold herself in certain ways. She can only do certain things. So there was a physical thing that, that Sam Bloom and, and Naomi Watts worked on. And then there, I guess for both of them, there was the psychological aspect of that. And um, there was, you know, one of the generous things that we got in the process was that Sam Bloom has kept a very detailed diary that no one's ever really seen. It's just hers. And I got a hold of that and sort of created like a Reader's Digest version of that and shared that with Naomi and with the, the crew as well, like within, within the heads of department. So we all got a real sense of what really goes on inside the head of someone um, that's in that situation. And that was probably the most revealing aspect um, of the collaboration between us like getting access to the to that document um, it affected everyone it really it really helped us focus on exactly what we were doing and and I guess the dimension and the and what what dimension we could bring to that character it's just not a physical entrapment it's a it's a psychological mm-hmm. one as well yeah and then you've got the three boys as well that must have been quite a puzzle to get the three boys together yeah I, I always joke with the blooms and say I wish you had one child <laughs> <laughs> we've only had to cast one but um you know they've, they've got three amazing kids they're also they're all incredibly talented and you know adapted to you know this terrible thing that happened in their life but we yeah found three boys all really different like I guess what I wanted to do with those boys was to find like a little band of their own like they're they're a band of brothers literally and we originally started by looking for kids in and around the northern beaches and kids who surfed and I ended up with this you know, one kid from the, Abe is from the, the inner west uh, of Sydney. 
Griffin's from uh, inner, inner city Melbourne and Felix lives in the country, in country Victoria. But it was about, I guess, trying to get the chemistry right with those guys. So, you know, you could just put them in a scene and let them go and, they, you know, they just bounce off each other. It was, it was really amazing putting those, that, that team together. It was certainly chaos. I have to say my heart was uh, in my stomach every time they were jumping off the roof or, or tying their shoelaces to skateboards. I thought, oh, my goodness, no, this is going to end badly. Yeah, well, I guess that's the thing. That, and, and, and like the Bloom family is like this. That even though, you know, Sam Bloom, their mum had this terrible accident by falling off a rooftop, mm. they jump off the roof, they're mm. surfers, they're skateboarders, they're kind of thrill seekers in a way. And, and it's amazing to watch Sam just sort of partake in all of that. Like she sits and watches these the kids do the most crazy things. And, uh, you know, Ollie Bloom's an incredible freestyle scooter rider. And even seeing what he does and seeing Sam participate in that, like it's, it's amazing how she's just embraced the physicalness of, of, the, of those three boys, even though she's restricted in what, how she can do that. Now, the cinema industry is working towards a new normal here. We're very lucky in Australia in some ways. What would you say to people who are maybe still a bit hesitant to get back into the cinema? Well, I, I totally understand that hesitation. Um, but, uh, you know, I went and, I went and did a, a tech check for the film this morning in a really beautiful big cinema um, that Roadshow is uh, that Roadshow's showing the film out in, in Pentridge uh, in Brunswick, near where I live. And um, they said they've had a lot of people coming in and that the audiences have been coming in. So I think people, you know, we know that if we're, if we're sensible and we follow uh, the guidelines and, you know, all, there's a lot of guidelines in cinemas that you probably, you know, more likely it's going to be okay. And people want to be out in cinemas. I think they're, they're desperate to be out in cinemas. We've been in our homes for too long. So um, mm. I'm, I'm hoping this is a really great excuse, not only for, you know, for adults to go, but this is a, this is a film you can take your family to. So well, everyone should be getting in there. And Enjoy. any movies besides your own that you're looking forward to seeing this year and on the big screen? Well, my good friend Greg Fraser shot Dune. Uh, I'm very keen to see that. I've seen The Dry, which is amazing. I'm oh, very yeah, happy fantastic. that's done well. Um, but, yeah, June is definitely one that I'm looking forward to on the big screen. Yeah, great. I think that's everything. So thank you so much for your time today, Glendon. I really appreciate okay. it. Yeah, it was amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I'm here. I'm your mum. Say mum. Lee, I have to say another really fantastic interview with a creative, the director of Penguin Bloom, Glendon Ivan, another friend I want to make. Here. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he, How cool was he? Yeah, I want to invite him into my social circles. I'm looking forward to following his career uh, because he has a lot of great things to say and I think he's a wonderful uh, filmmaker and this film is no exception. Absolutely. Okay, guys, Penguin Bloom is in Australian cinemas on January 21, so it's definitely something to check out. And don't forget to subscribe to get the review of the movie straight to you when we drop it. All right, guys, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Come and join us in the conversation on Facebook. Like our page at Popcorn Podcast AU. And follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. We'd love to hear what you think about these movies. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.